That's a story from when she was 12 years old. <laughs> so, are you guys new here? Mm -hmm. We're students. Huh? We're students. students. You're students? Mm -hmm. ah, first time here. Mm -hmm. You getting a grade for this? Yes. yes. Hey, <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, let's get you a good grade. Yeah. I've been, you. I've been eating at that at the restaurant forever. <clears throat> so, really? excited I'm finally been able to. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, you look very familiar. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I go there like two or three times a week. Love, love the food. Well, let's see if we can give you some good information. Cool. You know, there's so much. Uh, there's so much that that people uh, think they know that they they don't really know. You know, uh, the first people who came here from India, uh, trying to give some. This message, bhakti yoga, or yoga in general, they first of all, many of them really didn't know all there is to know. They heard cha-ching, uh, they heard the cash register, America, and we're talking back, let's say, in the '60s. America was America's practically always been rich compared to the rest of the world. As soon as George Washington and Benjamin Franklin and those guys got some traction, they became rich, and then people started to pour into this country to become rich. And so it's been like that. <coughs> so India's uh, has been a poor country for many, for many times, uh, for hundreds of years. It wasn't always that. India was at one point the richest country in the, in the world, and that's recorded in history. Marco Polo when he first went to the Orient, when he saw India, he was amazed. He was so much gold and diamonds. Um, so um, many of the quote-unquote yogis saw an opportunity. Uh, they saw an opportunity to make money, to become wealthy. So if that proves that if you're attracted by material opulence, that you're not very spiritually advanced. Uh, if you study the history, of those who are uh, spiritually advanced, they're not attracted to material opulence. They're attracted to uh, the opulence of knowledge. And not just any knowledge, <clears throat> uh, supreme knowledge, total knowledge, full knowledge. So uh, the first meditation that was taught in America uh, by these materially mind, material minded yogis first of all they thought you guys are never going to listen to the whole story even though they, they didn't know the whole story but you guys being westerners it's a country full of meat eaters and you know it's just a whole different scenario here you know compared to India in the 1960s so you're never going to go uh, you, I can't give you everything that I know and I don't know at all because I'm a materialist but you're never going to go for it all. So I'll give you little bits and pieces of it. So first of all, you sit down and you got to take and you got to do like this, you know. And then you meditate. And so, now that's quite easy, isn't it? Anybody can follow those instructions. Just sit, okay, here I am, I'm, I'm meditating. So, but meditation, when someone says, um, what do you think of this or that? You may say, let me meditate on that. So what is it? it means to focus, right? It really does. If you, so if I'm like this, what am I focusing on? If I'm, you know, so in the meditation that's current, currently taught, what are they focusing on? What are they taught to focus on? Uh, basically, the answer is whatever. You, you pick something. Or try to meditate on uh, the absence of anything. You see? So, uh, so, in other words, that kind of makes it fun. You ask me to meditate, and then I get to pick what I meditate on. So, at nowhere along the line does anyone give you <clears throat> the proper object of meditation. Meditation is only as uh, potent 
as the object of your meditation. So if I'm meditating on an apple or a flower, I get the potency of the apple or the flower or the clouds or... Or if I'm meditating on nothingness, I get the potency of nothingness. Now I'm talking spiritual potency. I may get to the point where I can get really relaxed. Meditation will give you some uh, material uh, benefits. It can relax you. You can hook up uh, equipment to record your heart rate and your brain. When you're sitting there doing this, you do get some physical uh, advantages. But uh, meditation is basically meant for some sort of a spiritual uh, happening. What does that mean? What do we, when we talk about spiritual, what does that mean? In today's world, it can mean anything. You get to determine. You know, I meditate, I meditate on nothing, and I'm spiritual by your definition. And if you say, no, you're not, then you're wrong. That's not right for you to say that he's not spiritual. So there's no clear definition. In other words, there's nothing absolute about spiritual life. Which means, this kind of sounds a little atheistic, doesn't it? There's nothing absolute. It's all whatever you pull out of your sleeve, and whatever you want it to be. It's all your thing. You see what I mean? We're leaving out the absolute. It's kind of like a dirty word for some people, absolute. Oh, no, I have my truth. You have your truth. And I I have my truth. Uh My truth is that this, uh, this piece of paper here, I have a piece of paper, and I say it's a $100 bill. Now, it doesn't have a picture of Benjamin Franklin on it. It doesn't even have a one and two zeros. But I say that my truth is it's a hundred dollar bill. And you can't dis- you, you, you can't disagree with my truth, right? It's my truth. Even though you hold up one that has Benjamin Franklin's picture on it and a one and two zeros, and you say, no, this is a hundred. No, no, that's your truth. This piece of paper, well, but that looks like a you know, a receipt from leaving your cleaning at the cleaners. I say it's a $100 bill, and that's my truth. So you cannot, you cannot prove me wrong, because it's my truth. Until we both go to the bank and try to cash our in our truths. You go in with your $100 bill, Benjamin Franklin and the one and the zeros, and they'll give you something for it. I go in with mine, and they're going to say, I'm sorry, sir, that's, that's not worth anything. And I say, but it's my truth. So at the moment when you cash it in, then the value of your truth comes out, you see. So in other words, there are, there are absolutes. You know, even in the material world, even when we're talking about money, If I believe this is gold, that's my truth. But it's absolutely not. Until if I take it to the pawn shop and say, hey, how much you give me for this? It's pure gold. And the guy says, well, wait a minute, that's not gold. He's he's giving me the absolute truth as far as gold goes, you see. So no matter how much we want to escape it, there are absolutes. Uh, it, you're either, uh, it's like this is, <coughs> it's a crude um, example. But we have a doctor in the house and she can back me up on this. You cannot be kind of pregnant, isn't it? <laughs> you either are or are not. So you can't be kind of a lot of things. You can't, you can't be kind of a theist. And you, you can't be kind of an atheist. You either are or you're not. Now you may believe, say, look, I, I, I believe in God. 
I just can't tell you what the heck he is. It's kind of like the common thing right now. And it kind of, you know, I'm trying to have patience with it, but uh, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. You know how people are. You probably hear this from time to time. You know, people, you may go to someone with uh, a, a problem or a, a situation, some advice. You're asking advice. And they say, put it out to the universe. <laughs> you heard that? Yes. What does that mean? <laughs> don't you just want, they say that, don't you just want to, what are you telling me to do? What is it, vacuum and rocks that's, <laughs> and, and did you know that the universe doesn't just go, it's all around us and it goes like way, way out there? I was just in Flagstaff. I had a speaking engagement in Flagstaff, Arizona, and I went up on the top of the mountain. It's the, one of the uh, highest places in Arizona. Uh, Arizona has big mountains, you know, they're like 13,000, 10,000, 13,000 feet. So anyway, there's a, an absor observatory up there. And so um, they had this like this poster or a sign, and it had a picture of like this universe or galaxy of universes. And uh, there's like billions of them, you know. And there's a sign that's the narrow pointing to this one part that says, you are here. So here's Earth in the midst of all this stuff. So I'm thinking, all right, so the rest of that is what they tell you to put it out to. Or, or you know, the universe will give you this, or the universe will give you that. You see, what if there's a guy on the other side of the universe? <coughs> and somebody's telling him to put it out to the universe. So here you is it is his stuff coming your way? You know, he's throwing his my way. I'm throwing mine to him. What? I mean, are we serious here? I mean, no, we're not. But someone says well, the universe did this or the other. We're not being serious. It's a it's a uh, it's a way of saying I don't have a clue. I don't have faith in anything except I know there's something. I know there's something. All right, so you are a theist. You do believe in God. You just don't know. <clears throat> and a lot of people don't want to go any further than that, do they? Because it gets a little inconvenient. As long as it's just the universe. Then I, 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 I know I'm, that, that you're there, oh Lord, or whatever I want to call you. <laughs> the universal energy, you see. Uh, then I get to enjoy all of your stuff. You know, this is all God. There's God and there's God's energy. And, and so uh, there's, there's stuff here. I get to enjoy this uh, material creation. And, and, and I know that, yeah, it belongs to the creator, but nobody really knows what that is. You see what I mean? So I can claim it as mine. I didn't bring it with me when I checked in. You know? I mean, how many babies, when they take them out of the womb, have anything with them? They're not even clothed. What do they bring with them? So what's yours? i got to fight for what you think is, you say it's yours, and I want it. I want my share of... God's energy. So then we compete. You see? You see what I'm talking about? So it's not very uh, specific. So we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we, we're dealing with the universe. Or the universal energy. Because if I get more specific, I might accidentally allow that thing that universal energy to grab hold of a personality. Boy, I'm really in trouble then, right? I mean, that would be, gee whiz, think of it. If it, if that thing, that source of everything, 
actually has a personality. That means that it and I would could interface on a personal basis. Now that scares the hell out of me, doesn't it? Because this thing is really big and really strong, right? So it's kind of frightening when you think, well, look, an eyeball to eyeball into that much power. I mean, the all-powerful. If it has a personality that's all omniscient, it knows what I'm thinking. You know, I can allow Santa Claus to have that. You know, Santa Claus. He knows what you're thinking. He knows if you've been bad or good. You know, I can deal with that. But God, with a personality, he knows my thoughts. Back it up. You know, wait a minute. Let's go back to the universe. I feel comfortable with that. There's something out there. I don't care what it is. Don't know what it is. Don't want to go there. But I can throw my stuff out there and it'll throw me back good stuff. Right? I can just say, okay, universe, I'm giving it to you. <laughs> Do your thing. You see, be my, be my loving servant. So, and that's okay. I hope you don't think, if, if there's anybody here that thinks like that, I hope you don't think I'm criticizing you, because I'm not. I'm observing. <coughs> so we can go a little closer to, than that, though. You can, you can actually start to wonder. Um, I do believe, and I fully accept, that there is a creator. And I've just become convinced that that creator, since it's the creator, Everything comes from it, right? If there is a God, the definition would have to be, correct me if you argue, if you, could, you can argue with me if you want. The definition would have to be that from which everything emanates. Right? That from which everything cometh. So for, for everything to cometh from it, it must have everything. Is this making any sense here? You can disagree if you, if you don't. I'm not. Okay, so it has everything. Because everything comes from it. So then it has to have personality. Otherwise, it's missing something and it can't be God. It also has to have form. And since it's unlimited, it has to have unlimited forms. And it has to have unlimited personalities, you see. And I can have unlimited personal relationships with it. You see what I mean? It has to be. This cannot be argued. You can't, you see. You can't say after hearing this and thinking like this, well, no, no, I just think it's the universe. It's just vacuum and rocks. You know, I mean, if that's true, uh, get some rocks and keep them in your house and you can do worship to the rocks. I mean, if they have to be big for, for you to think they can help you, then get some big rocks. You know, I don't know what you're going to do about vacuum, but that's basically what the universe is, rocks and vacuum. You know, so man, I hope I don't burst any bubbles here. Somebody's going to start crying. Said it's just rocks and, and vacuum. Oh my God. You've destroyed my faith in the universe. You know, I'm not trying to do that. You know, the universe is still your friend. Santa Claus is still listening. <laughs> so, but there is a you. And let me ask you a question. I like to do, I do this all the time. I even do it to people that I've asked it before. So I'm, um, and I, I'm going to try to be nice. I'm going to warn you up front. This is a trick question, <laughs> but it always works, 100% of the time. I'm going to show of hands. How many people believe that you have a soul? Do you have a soul? Hmm? Okay. Does anybody believe they do not have a soul? You you don't have a soul. And the reason why you don't have a soul is because you know I am 
that you are a soul. It's like saying, um, mm. I am my hand. Yeah. Mm. Right. So for those of you who think you have a soul, who and what is this you that has a soul? That is the question. What are you? If you have a soul, what do you do, wear it on your keychain? Are you sure you brought it with you? Didn't leave it at home? I got it right here. I hate it when I leave my soul. I and my soul are different. Yeah. So there's that popular saying, I wear my heart on my sleeves, or so and so wears their heart on their sleeves. Could, could one think of that as perhaps the concept of having your soul? I mean, so and so yeah. has soul. But I don't but I don't know what it is. I think it's something different from me. Because I think that I am this body. I think that this is me. And, and, and if that's true, now you young people, you don't have to worry about this yet. But if this is true, if this thing that you're looking at is me, I'm in a world of trouble. I'm seven century, uh, seven decades old. I don't have many decades left. I'm, I'm starting to push it. Mm. Now you're not. You guys don't have to worry yet, right? Because death may not even happen to you. <laughs> when I was your age, I was thinking, you know, uh, could it? I'm sure it does, but boy, that is so far out. You know, I don't have to worry about it yet. I don't even have to think about it. So if I don't have to think about it, it ain't there. <laughs> All right, when you get as far down the road as I am, you start knowing it's coming. I can hear you coming. You know? So if, if I am this body, I'm in deep trouble. If you're your body, you're, you're in a world of hurt. You're in a world of trouble. Because you're going to die. And unless you know anything about what happens after that, you should be very concerned. When you're young, you can go, oh, well, I'll figure it out someday. You know, uh, as you get older and you haven't got it figured out, you got to turn to something else, you know, to occupy that, to keep those thoughts out of your mind. Intoxication, you know, uh, hobbies, pets. You know, you got to absorb yourself in something to keep those thoughts out of your mind. Sit, to keep yourself from thinking, what the hell am I going to do about this death thing? Maybe I'll get to live a, a, a hundred. What are you going to do when you're 98, 99? So the end comes. What if you get to live to be 200? So then when you're 195, you're going to be sweating it. So let's back it all up and talk about that now. What the heck are you? You are a soul. Huh? Uh, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita that never was there a time that you, the soul, did not exist. And never will there be a time when you will cease to be. You are not born. You take a body. And you take body after body after body. You see? You're not slain when the body is slain. So, this is good news. This is the best news that you've ever heard. I'm not my body. I'm not perishable. There is no end to me. And there was never a beginning. I've always existed. I'm not of this world. I'm not an earthling. I'm not of this material world. I came here for a visit. And I'm passing through. Trying to grab all the gusto that I can. You know that word, gusto? You know, what does it mean? Yeah. yeah. The good stuff. Huh? Like the good stuff. The good stuff. Enjoyment. Gusto. Uh, yeah. Enjoyment. I'm trying to grab all of the enjoyment that I possibly can. And uh, 
all of those, these other things, I kind of put that off, thinking about that other stuff. I see, death, God, you know. I don't want people to think I'm some sort of a religious fanatic because I'm talking about God and praying all the time, you know. I want them to think that I'm kind of hip and kind of cool. I don't know if he's even hip to talk about God, is it? I'd rather talk about politics and show how smart I am by how much I know about politics, you know? Or make money, because if I have enough money, you'll respect me. You'll want to be like me. <clears throat> Why? Some people will adore me, so I'll get wealth and adoration, you know? Distinction. Why he's the one that started that company, huh? And fame. Why every time I go to a restaurant, people are going to say, "Hey, isn't that Jananda over there?" Wow. That happens here. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that, that already Anyway, fame, profit, adoration, distinction. That's what I'm focused on. Uh, if I have enough of that, do I need God? If I have enough of that, uh, I'll get uh, my senses gratified. And if there's death, I don't know. I'll worry about that later on. Let's see. Now, fame and profit, wealth and fame, doesn't really make people happy. I saw this thing on Facebook uh, recently. Um, the look of uh, depression. And it had a bunch of famous people, Robin Williams and famous people, smiling and happy, wealthy, famous people that had committed suicide. And there was like, you know, 20 of them or 60 or, but there was a bunch, you see. The look of uh, depression, and they all look. They look real happy. See, so wealth and fame. Sure, they were adored, and they were distinguished. So it didn't really work for them. It doesn't work for anybody really. It gives you a little bit of a temporary boost. See, but once you get uh, immense wealth. Tremendous fame, adoration, distinction. They have statues erected in your likeness. Uh, what do you do for love, real love? Then you might say, well, I, I got plenty of love. Heck, I've been married six times. <coughs> I'm loving my life. You know? Well, I've had a hundred girlfriends. Or hundred boyfriends, you see. I'm talking about love, you know, real love that you can own, that you have forever. If you're eternal, wouldn't you like to have stuff you can keep for eternity? If you believe, if you're buying in that you're an eternal soul, then maybe you need to get a hold of some things that you don't ever have to let go of. Mm. That makes a little sense, you know. You're going to have to give up this body, so don't be so attached to it. You see, but love is one thing you don't ever have to let go of. You don't have to let go of love. You see, uh, you are eternal. Uh, God is eternal. You are part and parcel of God. It doesn't mean that you are Him. It means that you are just like Him. He's eternal. You're eternal. He's the source of love, and there's where you come in. That's what you are. You're his love. Uh, if you were God, what kind of folks do you think you'd surround yourself by? Now, you don't need anybody, because you're God, and you have everything. You're complete. You're the complete whole within yourself. You're not lacking anything. Uh, but if you decided to 
spread other living entities around you just to enhance your ecstasy, what kind of folks do you think they would be? Pretty dang nice, huh? Infinite diversity. Infinite diversity. Infinite combinations. Would he ever would he ever create, although you're not created, but if you were created, do you think God would ever create an ugly soul? Mm. I mean do you think he wants to look at ugly? And this is the eternity's a long time, right? He's dealt with you from for eternity. And it's never going to end. So what do you think you look like when he looks at you, that eternal entity? What do you think he sees? Love. Love. Beauty. Charm. Well, he surrounds himself with entities that make him gasp. Why would he want mediocre? Come on. Think, exercise your brains like you go to the gym. You know, <laughs> Exercise this part of your brain that's uh, theological. This theo-god logic. The eternal creature. You think he ever wants to see anything that isn't just perfect, beautiful, all loving, that's you. That's you. When he looks at you, he, you take his breath. You're uh, engineered and designed to do that. You're, you exist to enhance his ecstasy, to exchange love on an eternal basis. And for love to uh, make any sense, uh, you have to have free will. You can't be just a robot. So you have to have the right to withhold your love. Because if you choose to love someone, that's real. But if you're forced to love them, that's tainted. So you have the ability and the right to say, my dear Lord, I choose not to love you. And I choose to leave you. To go see whatever else there is. And that's where this world comes in. That's why we're here. I wonder what else there is. Well, there isn't anything else. He's the source of everything. But just so you uh, don't feel like you're a prisoner or a robot, he gives you a world. And you can come here. And you can even get away from him. You see? You can get away from him. You can convince yourself that he, that he doesn't or may not, it starts out he may not exist, and you can go all the way to who needs it. You see? I'm wondering, is there a God? Birth after birth after birth after birth. Surrounded by other people who are not so sure. And maybe you should put it to the universe. <laughs> see what I mean? So this, that's where we are. This, we should have a sign that says, you are here. That's where we are right now. We've forgotten. Because we're eternal. We've been in this material world for a long time. Mm. An immeasurable amount of time. Trying to grab gusto, enjoyment. You see? And because I have desires, I uh, perform certain activities. And when I perform an activity, I get what? Re reaction action reaction even science says that thank you sir sir isaac newton for cluing us in that for every action there's an equivalent and opposite reaction in the bible it says as ye sow so shall ye reap so the bible agrees with isaac newton and on the street they say what goes around comes around. That's karma. Now, I don't care what you call it. <coughs> karma, cause, the law of cause and effect, you see. So uh, your actions come from your desires. I want something, so I do something 
to get what I want. So it's our desires at the time of death that lead us to our next body. You see, the bodies are not punishment. Some people think of God, one reason why they want to get away from him, they think of him as a punisher. He doesn't have to punish you. He doesn't want to punish you. Do parents want to punish their kids? Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes they do, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, they really don't want to. They just rather you behave. All right, so, but this law of karma is like whatever you want, you can have. And when you start wanting me, God, or whatever you want, the universe, whatever you want to call him, uh, then you get, that's what you get. Because you'll perform activities that will give that return, mm -hmm. you see. So, the Bhagavad Gita says at the time of death, uh, you, the soul, are given a body, a new body, with a particular type of eye and a particular type of nose, a particular type of ear, particular type of taste, you see, to help you get what it is that you wanted in your human birth. Now the animals don't get karma. They're living out karma. The animals take a birth after birth. They, they go up in intelligence. There is a hierarchy, you see. But you, the human being, can actually control. And you are controlling. It's not that you can't. You are controlling your uh, next body. You're making it <coughs> through your activities. Now let me give you a crude example. Please forgive me, it's crude, but it works. It makes the point. <coughs> Let's say that at the time of death, your sum total of all of your uh, des desires equal, I want sex. Well, the human body is not a good body to have unlimited sex, is it? Sex is much more complicated for human beings. The dogs don't have, the dog doesn't have to even ask her on a date. He doesn't have to take her to a movie, he doesn't have to buy her a drink. When have you ever seen a dog buying another dog dinner? So no drinks in a movie or dinner in a movie, none of that. It's, hey, let's go. You know, they don't even have to get a room. <laughs> I mean, come on, we, I think we've probably all witnessed that. They don't care. They don't even care if you watch. You know, they don't even go like, what are you looking at? You know, so it's much, for the animals, it's much more uncomplicated, right? You know, there's no palimony, you don't have to buy rain. I mean, come on. Human life, wow. Just look how complicated it is. You've got to find somebody that agrees, you know. And then maybe you don't know, God, I wonder if she likes Chinese food or you know, take her to Kalachanji's. Uh, maybe she doesn't like I don't know. I gotta find out, or I gotta roll the dice. You know, find out what she likes or what he likes. You see. So, uh, at the time of death, if that's your main desire, there are bodies that are much better suited to give you that desire. Uh, a pigeon can have sex once every fifteen minutes, all day, every day. Say that again, please. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again, please. For a pigeon, what? You're not going to misuse this if I give it. No, no, no. A pigeon can have sex every 15 minutes. I'm not going to misuse it for a Yeah, okay. <laughs> I can just say, well, pigeon, huh? No, that was just like, I was like, say what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see? So if that's what you want, a pigeon is not a punishment. It's a better body to have for sex. Dog, hog, so many. It's much, much better for you to have your desires, you see. 
And I said it's a crude example, but it's true. It drives it, it drives it home. Uh, so if at the time of death, if, if you're wanting uh, a loving, personal relationship with God, then that's what you get. But you have to perform activities to go along with that desire, you see. Like maybe I have, if I'm going to have a loving relationship with someone, don't you kind of have to get to know them a little bit? What if you just know enough about God to be afraid? You know, so will you get that? Will you get that kind of a relationship? God has unlimited personalities. He has, he has personalities that uh, you just kind of grovel, you know, all in reverence kind of thing, you know. So, and that's bona fide. If that's what you want, you can have that. Uh, I don't think you'll want it for eternity because you're going to want to exchange love because that's where you, that's what you are. You're a creature of love. Love means not from a distance. Who, who wants love from a distance? You want it up close and personal, don't you? Maybe some affection. You know? So, wouldn't it be nice to have a loving, affectionate relationship with God? And he has that personality. And that personality, he has unlimited personalities, unlimited names. But the name of that personality is Krishna. You can, he's the, the manifestation. He says that I am the supreme personality of Godhead. Why? Because we can love up close and personal. With me, you'll love me so much. You'll be so attracted to me that you'll forget your fear. You'll lose your awe and reverence. You won't even think of me as God. I'm just beautiful, wonderful, desirable Krishna. And you won't be able to take your eyes off of me. You're going to want to hug me and never let me go. And we're going to do this for eternity. I'm so beautiful that you, you, you can't bear to even look away. And that's the way I am with you. You're so beautiful. I can't bear to look, at, look away. You see? Now, everyone is the most beautiful to Krishna. Uh, he's God. He can be that way. There is no rank. You know, we're all most, the most beautiful. So, okay, I've been rambling on. Let's ask for uh, comments or questions. I was going to mention that nowadays it seems like there's a... It's popular to be spiritual but not religious. Yeah. Uh, SBNR, they call it. Spiritual but not religious. <laughs> How does that work? So, what are people telling you? I'm spiritual but I'm not religious. So, uh, I believe in God. Uh, universe or universal energy or you name it. But I'm not religious because I don't want anybody telling me how to love God or that even you can love God or, because I've got my own truth. You see. And, and I've and I've I'll, I, I might not have given it a name yet but it's mine. And I'm entitled to it. So leave me alone. Yes ma'am. Before we started coming to the temple and learning about Krishna, which was just a few months ago, but I so I would say that. You know, I'm spiritual but I'm not religious. What I meant was yeah. I'm searching for God, but what I've been exposed to I don't like, so I'm staying away from it. Right. So I knew there was something I needed and, and, but I hadn't found it yet. And that's a good point. Mm. A lot of folks I, I've gotten a little burned by my spiritual pursuits, by my religious pursuit. Mm -hmm. I got a little burned. I mean, uh, and there's millions of stories about, you know, didn't work out for me, but it turned out to be an unhappy experience. So I want to back away a little bit, and I want to look for 
spiritual life without religion. Because organized religions can get a little nutty sometimes. And a lot of the time, you know, they're kind of like in um, in eastern Kentucky, they're still there. I'm on my way to East Tennessee. And I, I, last time I was there, earlier this year, I checked, and there are the snake handlers. It's a Baptist church. There's several Baptist churches in eastern Kentucky. Have you heard of these guys? Yeah. And they hold, they handled poisonous rattlesnakes and copperheads in church. They hold them up. And, you know, well, kind of, I think it's weird, and I hope I'm not being offended. Are you not a snake handler? <laughs> okay. I didn't think you were, but you never know. You never know who you're going to offend these days. There used to be a Fifth Amendment, and you could say, you know, you could say whatever you want. But now people say, oh, "Did you hear what he said?" Oh. You know, it used to be, "Look, I disagree with what you said, but I would die for your right to say it." They used to say that back in the in the last century. Nowadays, you have a right to say that. You better not say it. Or... You know, I don't care if people disagree. You know, I don't have to disagree. I don't have to agree with you for me to say you're a worthwhile person and entitled to your opinion. So that's seems to be a little passe. So, but there were there there, there are these snake handlers. They're still there. You know, you can Google them and find them. They're holding up rattlesnakes, and they believe that if you have faith, they won't bite you. Now, sometimes they get bit. <laughs> and then someone says, you didn't have faith. Because <laughs> I did. Well, snake chicken. I didn't squeeze it really. I, don't know. <laughs> I was trying to make a snaky face, and I thought maybe he'd like me. He's even hissing a little bit. They don't like it when you hiss. Don't do the hiss. You know. They die all the time from doing that. No, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I, I think it, they even tried it one time to make it against the law. I don't know if that stuck, but you know, I don't know. I haven't kept up with it. So a lot of people have had a bad taste from religion. So Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, in the 18th chapter, Sarva Dharma, Sarva all Dharma, religion, abandon all forms of religion. Wow. God is saying, dump religion? What kind of a God would do that? Krishna says, abandon all forms of religion. Just become my loving devotee. And I will personally deliver you. He's bearing his heart to you. You know, give up the religion. Now, what does this mean? Uh, religion should be a uh, vehicle that takes you to a certain place, a destination, right? This is like if you take uh, you take a limousine to the airport, and so you're cruising along, and you get attached to this limo. You're thinking, man, this thing is really comfortable. Slick leather seats, television. Fully stocked bar, refrigerator. Why, this thing is great. And the driver says, What airline, sir? He said, American. So after 45 minutes or, or three hours, depending on Dallas traffic, you, you pull up at, uh, in DFW and he says, Here we are, sir, it's American Airlines. And you're saying, What? Well, Drive around again, you know, make that circle. You know, you can do that at DFW, you can make that. I'm attached to the vehicle. I've forgotten my destination. You see, I lost track of it. I'm attached to my religion, to how see people see me in my religion. Why the popularity, the fame, and maybe even the profit that I get. And the distinction and the adoration in other words, I wasn't that spiritual at all. I was material. So Krishna gives you kind of like a secret. Dump it all. Now this isn't for the faint of heart, as they say. This isn't for everybody. Krishna doesn't say that unless you're his dear most friend and he thinks, let me help you. I can see you're kind of struggling to find me. 
you've gone through the, the you know, merging into the light, uh, you've gone into merging into the nirvana, the, and those are real. Nirvana is real. Do you know what nirvana means? It's a Sanskrit word. It means nothing. It means zero, zip, nada, void. Why did Buddha say you can go there? Because you can get peace. What do you get when you merge? You go into the Brahmjyoti, the light. You get peace. You can go there if you want. When does Buddha, if you're familiar with Buddha, if you read the vows of Amita Buddha, where does he say anything about love? Huh? Does he say you're going to get love? He doesn't discuss it, does he? So that's not the, it's no promise. He's not misleading you. He's saying if you want peace, then you can do this. You can seek a nirvanic experience. The Mayavad philosophers say if you want peace, then you, go, you can go into the Brahmajyoti. I don't know if any one of you are familiar with Mayavad philosophy, but does it ever talk about love? No. But you want it, don't you? So, so Krishna, if you're really wanting love with God, then he's like, hey, let me tell you a secret. Dump religion. Give up all religion. Just come to me. You don't have to do that. You see? You, you don't have to get involved. But that was a good stepping stone to get involved with the religion. You see, it was good, but it's not the end all. But now that you've tried religion, just come to my arms. Come. You know, can you imagine Krishna looking at you saying, You want to give me a hug, don't you? <laughs> come on, come on. Imagine Krishna saying, Who's your daddy? <laughs> it's me, isn't it? <laughs> Krishna looks at you and he says, You've been looking for me for so long, haven't you? There's nothing you want other than me. I'm the greatest. I'm the most beautiful. I'm the most loving. And I'm what you want, right? And if you say no, then he says, All right, then you can continue your journey. What's your question? Well, it's really not a question, but uh, it goes along with, you know, giving up religion. And I think about through my life, you know, you were always taught in a Christian faith that, you know, you, God gave you free will. And when he put you on earth, or when you were on earth, the first time that they exercised their free will, then they were punished and they were damned forever. And so the only life you're going to have is you're going to have a life that you're going to die and you're either going to be dead forever or some religion teacher you're going to be burned forever, okay, or you would have some kind of life afterwards if you were a good person. It really is, uh, when I think about the scripture you said in the Bhagavad Gita, the 18th chapter about banning religion, okay, look at what a lot of religions have done. They've shackled poor souls, so to speak, uh, to a belief that God is going to be vengeful. You have no right to understand or make your own decisions. And they try to make you a good, God-fearing man. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? That's okay. And it's coercion. It ain't perfect. <laughs> it's not first class. But at least it, it's 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 pious. Well, because you're, you actually are recognizing there is a God, mm -hmm. and he's not rocks and vacuum. Mm -hmm. There's a personality, and I'm scared as hell. <laughs> but isn't it so much better to have the understanding now that we've always been with Krishna and because of our uh, desires that we wanted he created everything that we have in order for us to be blessed with our, pursuing our our desires but also right. he's always throwing us a lifeline okay yeah. whenever yeah. you want whenever you want to grab hold you know, you tug one time, I'm going to tug ten. Right. <laughs> and and it's true. 
it's like I've heard someone say, if you think you're far from God, who do you think moved? It was you, right? It wasn't him. He didn't leave you. We left him. But he can't let you go. Think back to what I was saying. This was true. You are his heart's delight. You are gorgeous, beautiful. Every word you say is charming. He could not possibly ignore you. And that's true for all innumerable living entities. You, that eternal soul, are incredibly attractive to him. You see? So when you want to leave him, he just lets you think you left him. <laughs> he tagged right along with him. He's not. He doesn't have to give you up. He is attached to you. So he lets you believe in your consciousness that you've left him. But the Paramatma is right next to you in the region of your heart. You're, it's like two birds in a tree sitting on a branch. You're sitting on right there. Krishna's right there next to you. What is that? Huh? What you just said. The Paramatma. Uh, Atma means soul. Param means great, super. You know, the Paramatma. You're the Atma, he's the Paramatma. So, uh, he's right next to you. He's not going to let you on his side. He's attached. He loves you. But you need to go off on your little journey. That's okay. Well, I'll create it as you desire it. You think that there's a limit to, a limit to this universe? <clears throat> this universe will take shape according to your desires. And you, can, and you can pursue everything except me. And I'm unlimited in, in fulfilling these desires. And I can give you unlimited faith. You want to be an atheist? Here's your faith. Would you like to be a Buddhist? Ah, here's your faith. Would you like to be a Christian? Retracted the Lord Jesus Christ? Here's your faith. I am the source of everything. My, your faith comes from me. Your desires come from you. And I'll give you what you desire. You want faith in me? Oh, here you go. As a matter of fact, here's an extra portion. <laughs> I just get, you know. So that moment is coming for all of us when Krishna is going to say to you, you really want to hug me, don't you? <laughs> I'm irresistible, aren't I? So, uh, any more questions? Now, how are we doing on time, Nityananda? We're ready. Huh? We're, we're, we're ready for Ready to wrap it up. Time for one more quick question? Yeah. All right, real quick. I think it's worth pointing out that the Latin root of the word door, like the Bible speaks of the fear of God being the beginning of wisdom, right? That's one of the Proverbs. I think it's worth pointing out that the Latin root of the word adore is adorare, which means to fear, hmm. as in like to fear the power of the sun, right? Well, you know, uh, uh, language is a moving target. It, it, words keep changing their meanings. And they've been doing this as far back as we know. If you look up uh, the word terrific in an old dictionary, it means full of terror, something that you run from. And it got to be turned around and, oh, that's terrific. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. You know, what do you think of my new phone? Awesome. What about my hairdo? Awesome. You know, everything is awesome. I wonder what would somebody of, of today, what, would, what word would they use if they saw something that was actually awesome? You know, like something that's awesome makes you go, oh, oh, you know, mic wow. Right, thank you. They would say mic drop, probably. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Or they would say, oh. So, what do you think of my phone? <laughs> what do you think of this weather? <gasps> you know, so that would be the new awesome. So language keeps moving. I mean, there's a whole list of words that have 
change. They, they, they even, you know, like there for a while, I don't know if they still do this, they, people would say, man, that's really bad. Meaning it's really good. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, do they still do that? I don't know. Uh, they, well, you remember that, don't you? Yeah. What? Okay. People saying bad? Yeah, meaning good. Sure yeah. they do, yeah. So, yeah. so we, we don't know. Language is, is, is very weird. Sanskrit, however, hasn't changed. You know, nobody's done that with Sanskrit. Sanskrit words have always, they still mean what they always... Nobody, nobody speaks Sanskrit, though, right? No, they just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> they may be limited, you know. But, uh, all right, I think we ought to wrap it up. And I hear some growling stones. <laughs> and uh, so let's take some prasadam. And uh, thank you all so very much. It's also always wonderful to come to Dallas. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.